welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome to the Built on Air podcast. This is the live show for today. We're glad you could be with us. My name is Dan Fellers. We have with us Camille Parks joining today. Hello. Good to see you. Uh, it's just going to be the two of us today, so we're going to have a fun show for you. As always, this is a variety show. We'll go through what's going on in the news of Airtable, any updates, see what people are talking about. Then we'll do three different segments where we can learn and go deep into how to use Airtable to run your life and run your business and all great things. So with that, why don't we kick it off and round the bases where we'll go through the different Airtable communities and see what people are talking about and what we can learn. As always, we kick it off with the Airtable community and see what's new. Um, we, last week, we went through the new updates for the month, so we won't rehash that, but um, a few new things coming out. And let's see, what are people talking about? I see your icon in a couple places. Yeah, uh, this I think this week more so than others was a lot of formula-based questions. What's the proper syntax? And uh, one that comes up a lot is how do I, um, if, uh, if a condition applies, I want to do something to a date. Um, and if it doesn't apply, I want to say no or false or something like that. But uh, there are a couple of different topics of a similar nature. And I uh, pointed out that it's oftentimes it's best not to mix output types um, for a formula. So either it should be everything's a date or blank or everything is true or false or blank or, you know, not a combination of the two because it's, it's difficult to use your data when Airtable doesn't know what kind of field it is. It just defaults to a single line text and it's not as usable that way. Yeah. Yeah, especially with dates, because then you can't format them if you have something else um, as a date, right? Even though sometimes there would be, it would be nice to say like no date or, you know, some other message, mm -hmm. um, but it, it kind of ruins the formatting. So you got to be okay with blank 
in that case. Yeah, that's a common one. And of course, you're utilizing, use, utilizing the switch there, which is nice. We talked about switch a week or two ago. Yeah, this one was interesting because I, uh, it seems like, oh, the, the answer to me is obvious. You just, you know, you use an if statement here, you use a switch statement there. And then uh, someone else just pointed out that there's a uh, stray comma in uh, the formula I sent over because I didn't do this in Airtable. I just built it, you know, within the formula without, or within the forms without looking over at Airtable's formula editor and completely missed the extra comma that was causing it to uh, screw up, so. I'm yeah. human. I make mistakes. <laughs> Although this is interesting. His PS, he's working on a tool to help catch those kinds of errors that mm -hmm. uh, I think I've mentioned on this show. I think that there's an opportunity for an app that helps write formulas. So that could be interesting. It would be interesting. It's uh, the Airtable Custom Apps API doesn't expose what the formula for a formula field is it's not a, a readable uh you know attribute of a of a field value uh but it would be cool if it did even if you couldn't edit it just so that you can you know reference what a formula field actually is doing behind the scenes you know i i saw something the other day i was looking at the api documentation for a base mm -hmm. And I noticed something new in the API docs what? where it will actually show you the formula um, oh. in a formula field. Is this regular API or metadata API? Uh, the regular. Oh. So just in the documentation, not, not the actual. Got it. But just in the documentation, um, I got to find a formula. This doesn't look quite formatted correctly. It's not pulling up the, uh, if they've got some issues going on here. But uh -oh. yeah, it, it was displaying the, um, it was displaying the, uh, it's interesting, it's not picking up the API. Mm. Find a different one. Um, I was gonna say it'd be real inopportune if they if Airtable has an outage right now. Yeah, yeah, that would not be good. Where are we at? Search for formula. Filter by formula. Here we go computed value. So it shows you what your formula is, mm -hmm. which tells me that they have some way of extracting it. Now they yeah. haven't made that available, <laughs> but that's promising because that's new, right? That I don't think that was there before. I don't remember that being there before, but I'm, I'm less familiar with the REST API. Um, I, I do know that I think I don't know if the metadata API lets you do it, but the custom apps API does, I believe, let you, uh, it exposes what fields a formula field is dependent on. So yes. if you're saying like date started and then do something with it, it'll tell you 
that it references the date started field, but not necessarily what it does with the date started field, if that makes sense. Correct. Correct. But it doesn't, it doesn't show you the formula like this does. Right. Yeah. So I'm, I'm hopeful. I'm optimistic um, that one day, at least to the meta API that this, this becomes available. So that would be a huge help. Mm -hmm. So that could be useful. Let's see. Any other common question? I think we've answered this in the past about um, putting quotes. Oh, I guess this is a different one, actually. Something about quotes not formatting correctly. Hasn't got an answer yet. I don't know if we can help him here. <clears throat> so he's, yeah, so this is the API. Oh, uh, okay. So those are just single quotes instead of double quotes, I think. Is it? Is it trying to JSONify? Did it have to do that? To, um, I don't know. Yeah, it is kind of odd that um, actually this, yeah, it's, if it's empty, it looks like it uses single quotes and then double quotes if it's full. But I don't, I don't know where he's getting this from. It looks like you might be looking in the cookies or something the session so it's a bit too technical i think for for most people yeah i'm i'm puzzled yeah uh night mode often see that requested people seem to like their dark night mode you know here's an icon so that tells me this is a old one. Mm -hmm. Good old W. <laughs> yeah. But it's been brought up recently. Well, last year, a completed date. So you could updated. So that's yeah. been it. Yeah. This, this topic is from 2017 originally. And so last modified date field type and um, formula function, I think are 2019 additions, I think. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, I remember when those came out, that was a big deal. It was a big deal, it was nice. Yeah. It's yeah. A, good, a good time had by all. Yeah. Now here's one, I wonder, I noticed this on Reddit. I need to respond to this because we are solving this problem at, onto air, so might help him out. <clears throat> Anyways, getting getting your data into Google Docs and Google Slides. So I know there's. I want to say Abyssal is an app that will create static images based on data in your tables. Um, he's looking for a solution that would like take data from an ear table table and then fill out a a powerpoint essentially is that right uh, i'm not familiar with that one okay maybe i misread that yeah we could we could do that maybe in the future 
Um, I see my logo here. I might need to respond to this one. Getting an error message, so I might need to look into this. I made some changes. There, somebody found a bug. So this is a script uh, that I wrote when scripting just came out that basically um, allows you to link within the same table and get the child relationships because Airtable, if you if you do a link to the same table, it doesn't automatically create that backlink field like it does when you link to another table. And so this script allows you to kind of recreate that experience via a script. And um, so I've gotten several people that, that have used this script and and um, looks like there's there's still some issues. So I will revisit that after. And yeah, I think just kind of general questions. Um, not seeing anything too active. Why don't we move on? Number formatting, that's also a project suggestion. Mm -hmm. That can be fixed and onto air that that is now live. So Okay, why don't we move on to, to Built on Air, see what people are talking about in our Slack community and general um, help is being offered here. There's a question here that we're gonna dive into about the last edited by, so we won't uh, address that one. Uh, Camille, you're gonna dive into that. Yep. And um, here's an interesting one. So e-signing, if you're doing forms, uh, I know, um, I know, I know many extensions, nobody mentioned many extensions, they have e-signing in their form. Um, our form solution that integrates with Zapier, or sorry, with uh, JotForm, JotForm has e-signing in, embedded in it. And uh, sign now looks like is being recommended. So e-signature is, is definitely a critical form stack is being offered as, as an option here. Um, that one has, has an integration app as well into Airtable, so it might be a good fit. So e-signing is pretty, pretty common use case for forms. Um, look at this, you answered this one. So what's going on here? Well, <laughs> uh, you your memory. Uh, I often forget how useful the um, cursor model is when you're either scripting or writing a custom app. Um, cursor allows you to um, not only know like what record is currently selected, but um, in addition to that, what view are you on and what table are you on? And so the, the question was, you know, is there a way to just uh, have a more flexible instead of predefining by name or by ID what view or table you wanted to use? Could you have that be controlled by whatever current um, view is, is currently being shown to the user? Uh, and you can if you use uh, the cursor model. So cursor.activeViewID um, inside of a table.getViewById if you're custom apps. I think if it's scripting, it's just get view. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that's useful. So he's trying to get like the exact order of the records. Mm-hmm. Now, does it does it will it adjust? I don't know. I think we looked into this a while ago. If you like drag and drop your your records um, manually within the within the view, I seem to recall that that it didn't pick those up when you would manually. Uh, I, move records. I don't remember. I did when I answered this question. I did uh, quickly make a new view and then just sort things in the other direction. And it it does pick up sort when you use the sort feature. I'm not sure about manual sorting. It should. I mean, because I don't think that those stick when when you manually sort. Um, mm-hmm. And then you do like a page refresh. My memory serves. Uh, it didn't. Those didn't kind of stick. It would then default back to the the sort options um, that were more kind of part of the view. I think that I think the manual was just on your front end. It was just your perspective of it, oh. but it's something to to explore. Um, there was, I believe, in the dev, there was some discussion of um, something. If it ever comes up. Maybe we won't look at it. Save that for next week. Having some Slack issues. Okay, why don't we move on? Uh, Reddit. Um, Sync field order across views. So this is an interesting. So can you? Well, no, you can. Yes and no. If you do it one by one. if you get the field order you want and then go to all your other views and say copy field configuration, copy copy view configuration, copy view configuration, copy view and configuration, you can do it. But I don't think there's a one way to do it all at once. Yeah. Yeah, that, that seems to be um, a challenge. Yeah, when you're working in multiple views and then when you add a view, in one place it'll show up in that view but in the other views it shows up at the end right yeah and then you've got to manually move it over where you want so that that can be frustrating i've i've run into that mm-hmm. so yeah field order can can be a struggle at times so yeah and that in that manual view or the copy view configuration i've really only used that for uh, like Kanban views and date views or uh, calendar layouts. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, does that work on from grid to grid? It does. It does. You, okay. You, it, you can. I think it's view type agnostic. So you can copy a grid views configuration to a Kanban. Uh, obviously, only certain things will actually be represented, but like the field order will copy over and. Um, visible fields, if you have that enabled, um, it'll turn things on and off in the card. Um, I think the same is true. Well, it's very limited for calendar, copying anything from calendar view into calendar because calendar really only shows you the name of the record and then any date fields associated with it. So, I mean, other other than that one, (laughs) you you can copy mostly any kind of view configuration. It's good for sorts and filters and, and stuff. Yeah. That's that's pretty yeah. universal. Yeah. Except for form views, which is a horse of a different color. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the calendar view, only being able to see the title. I know that's been a, a pain point for clients I've worked with. Uh, we should do, we should, we'll add that to our list of, um, that could be a good field focus to talk about the syncing uh, field set or um, settings from one view to another. Because mm -hmm. uh, I think, I don't think people grasp how that works. So that would be a good one to, to show people. Maybe next week we'll do that. <clears throat> All right, looks like a good video. We'll probably see this on, on YouTube. Um, Airtable versus Google Sheets, the standoff between the two. Oh yeah, which was gonna bring, which I think was something I was gonna bring up in the, in the Slack that didn't show up was Google announced um, they have a Airtable solution called Google Tables and they announced that they're moving that out of its incubator phase. So it's getting kind of moving on, growing up and getting more resources and attention. It's going in, I thought it was interesting, it's going into Google Cloud and not Google Suite or Workspace. Um, so that's a bit more technical audience, the Google Cloud environment. And so I thought that was interesting so just wanted to keep an eye on Google Tables, see where that goes competitively to, to Airtable. <clears throat> yeah, there's always, for each of the new kind of competitors that crop up, I think a lot of them are very, very similar to each other, obviously, because they're all trying to fill the same sort of use cases, but each one has one little thing about it that's different and not seen in, in either Airtable or any of the other competitors. And I think Google Tables, um, they had a location type field because Google and Google Maps, you know, their API for routing and geolocating things is, you know, the standard for a lot of people. Um, if you're not going to use OpenStreetMaps, you use Google Maps API for a lot of things. And so uh, I think it was interesting that they are the only ones that I was able to see that had a location type field, which presumably um, implies uh, there's, you know, it might be a the better use case for anything that needs things physically mapped on a map. Yeah, that could be interesting. See how that goes. Yeah. All right. I think just kind of general questions, use case, you know, uh, using, using Airtable as a CRM and trying to figure that out. That's a common use case. Um, again, this is, I think, the one I was thinking about getting your Airtable data into Google Slides. Um, that's something that, that's coming. It looks like other people are trying to solve that as well in the comments. So definitely a common use case, I think we'll see. All right, let's move on. We got Facebook, let's see what's going on. And, Facebook group, <clears throat> looks like somebody recommending, uh, looks like um, there's a series on, on learning Airtable scripting. I know somebody else was, I don't know if this is the same one they've been promoting. I know there was a-, a There's a boot camp, yeah. yeah. I don't know if this is the same one or a different one. I think it's a different one because yeah. the, the boot camp was a one day right. sort of timed event. And I think what Rebecca is posting is like a, a like a series. Yeah. Um, 
you know. Yeah. I recommend yeah. I recommend anyone any opportunity to get learn scripting. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun. Yep. Yeah, for sure. So yeah, this looks like a great resource for learning how to do some scripting. And he even makes uh, his screen code, although he's missing a right parenthesis. So this would not compile. <laughs> in me coming out. <laughs> All right. Um, looking for help. Howard, I know Howard, he's a good guy. So if you're uh, looking for some contract work, respond to this if you know scripting. Looks like um, getting some response. So that's good. It's uh, just up there with someone asking, um, can they share a view and have only, you know, allow people to edit, but only in that view? And, you know, it's a common question asked and the answer is usually many extensions lets you do it, but um, Airtable by itself does not. There's a, and then every other kind of portable mini extension specifically has one product dedicated to essentially an Airtable grid view that you can edit if you have the link for it. Right, right. Yeah, basically maps to it. Yep. Yeah, so there's the, so this, um, <laughs> so here's one where using voice, they're able to, to actually edit data with your voice. I did, I did find the reply to that comment hilarious it's just this is ridiculous <laughs> i think he meant that in a good way like, it's just, i just thought it was very funny yeah uh yeah i don't Airtable hasn't been down lately it seems been yeah that uh, i think that person later on said it was like something with her docking station or something it wasn't in your yeah. table yeah that's problem common. So yeah, so web scraping in Airtable, um, I imagine that this would be a common use case. Um, I try to avoid web scraping. It is, I've done some in the past. It is not easy. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a hard problem to solve. Um, but there's tools out there that I, I don't think I would recommend building something. There's lots of tools out there that you can then via an API pull the scraping and then push it into Airtable. Um, mm -hmm. So if yeah, they let, would... if you, they let you fire um, a webhook, um, you could use Airtable automations to pull data yeah. directly in um, or use Integromat. I'm sure Integromat yep. or Zapier have yep. plenty, plenty of connectors that uh, help with that. Yep. Yeah. I, I imagine all the major scripting, scraping uh, services provide that. And then we'll actually show kind of a, a poor man's version of, of web scraping um, in a little bit on this show. Link calendar from Airtable. So you can sync it via, um, um, you can get the, uh, the feed from a Google calendar and and sync that into your table although it's not the most reliable um, now they have the actual sync that's more api based with google calendar uh, i haven't used that yet but that's that's useful yeah i think there's three different 
answers to the question. One is using automations, one is using a synced table, and one is using an Airtable shared calendar view link, and then using that ICS field to get your Airtable stuff into your calendar, but not the other way around. Yeah. Yeah, and then finally we'll end with this one that's kind of a week old, but um, a good video if you're if you're building internal tools. Retool is a pretty cool uh, application that's pretty popular in the enterprise space. And uh, Eric from Sync Inc. shows how you can sync your Airtable data into a Postgres database that can then be used within the Retool app. So cool uh, work around there. Uh, let's move on, see what kind of videos we've got going on. Well, speaking of which, here's our somebody else talking about how to use Retool and Airtable. So bootstrapping tools. Uh, I'm not sure if they do the same approach or not, but looks like there's other ways you might be able to do it. Uh, WooCommerce, so that's an e-commerce platform in Airtable or in, in um, WordPress. WordPress. Yes, that looks like you can use this service Pabli to connect it to Airtable. Um, so e-commerce is a pretty common use case. I know there are a lot of e-commerce companies that, that use Airtable for managing inventory, sales, customers. Um, Gareth, different types of triggers within Zapier, how to use those. Everything you need to know using my Spanish, everything you need to know to begin with Airtable. Well Spanish. done. Yep. Um, Codular, haven't, I haven't, I'm not familiar with this one. Looks like some kind of third party um, app builder that you can use Airtable as your backend. <clears throat> Without Firebase. So Firebase. I guess using it for authentic, authentication, user authentication. Um, like who can access the app, I think is, I don't know. I need, I need to look at that one. Cause uh, for a while I was looking um, for my own, what are some ways that someone can build a user authentication system? Yeah. And the, one of the main things people recommend all the time is use Firebase and then connect it to who's a what, and you know, <laughs> do a whole bunch of other stuff. But usually like it starts with Firebase and then trickles into many other things. And so. Yeah. Should probably take yeah. a look at that one. Yeah. Yeah. So comment Airtable, Google Sheets, how to integrate. There's one here comparing Airtable. I think we saw this one elsewhere um, for beginners, formulas in French. So uh, this Pabli looks like they're doing some deep integration with Airtable. So that might be another third party. I'm assuming it's a Zapier Integromat type solution okay so there's zapier integramat parabola uh pably i think pably yeah yeah this, i'll have to check out pably get for, more familiar with that one i can't learn them all so all of my, uh, all of my answers are still gonna be you can use integramat yeah 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 integramat zapier those are the big ones all right, mini extensions, oh, we'll get to that. <laughs> Here's one from Airtable 20 minutes ago. Smart collaboration tools and our CTO's exciting plans. So the CTO 
for Airtable talking about, looks like they're showcasing uh, the, the Gantt or maybe some kind of timeline view. So that yeah. looks interesting. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> One might, I can, Eagle Eye, I've done this before. You, you'll notice that it's not an expanded dashboard view. It's, it's not within the body of an app window. So yep. Yep. I think I accidentally discovered automations was going to be a thing four months early because when custom apps was announced, um, they had like a, you know, here's how to make a custom app. And in the corner, it yep. said automations. Right I, I, don't, I don't think it was supposed to be there. But I was like, I, I waited, remember that. I remember I, when you shared that. that was... I, I waited a week because I was wondering, <laughs> did anyone else notice? No. <laughs> yeah, that was that was groundbreaking insider info there. I'm sure they meant to do that one, though. That one's pretty, yeah. pretty obvious. So here's one talking about Google's rival tables graduating. We mentioned that. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> uh, somebody using their table. Here's a uh, air table genius. Interesting. I wanted to see the one. So here's a tutorial. They're using Airtable as a CMS in dev.2. Um, I wanted to highlight the mini extension one that came up before it refreshed before we move on. But it looks like they added some kind of disabling of forms. So new feature within mini extension. There it is. Hmm. New feature allows you to disable editing a form conditionally based on a formula. So it, you can expire forms uh, maybe once they hit like a limit of how many people filled it out or something like that. So oh, here we go. Prefill and hide filter fields. So it looks like they've been updating their forms. So that's good. Thought this was Chris for a second. That same. <laughs> Very similar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. All right, why don't we move on? So that sounds like um, a good overview of what's going on in the world. Um, hopefully this one doesn't happen, waiting for Salesforce to acquire Airtable. Yeah, please stop it. <laughs> stop. Yeah, don't What did they get, it. Slack? Was that Salesforce? Did they buy Slack? Slack yeah, yeah. Why? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So hopefully Airtable, we want Airtable to stay independent. So hopefully they do. I know that's their vision and their their objective. So hopefully they stick with that. <clears throat> All right, we're going to move on. And um, we're going to move on to do a spotlight on Onter, the primary sponsor for the Built On Air website and Built On Air community and podcast. Onter is a complete toolkit for running your business on Airtable. Check it out at ontair.com. Um, lots of amazing tools, if I don't say so myself, being the, the founder and being involved in the development of this. I'm going to showcase something that we just launched silently over the weekend. This still isn't documented, so you're getting kind of the first view of this. 
but I'm very excited about this. I've been wanting this on inside of our application for uh, from the beginning. And it's just, there's a lot going on with uh, how to implement this to do it right. And we finally were able to do it. So this is within our actions, which is our automation application. And this is this was our first app that we built, and we built it as a plugin to Zapier initially. So it ran entirely within Zapier's environment. We didn't have any servers on our own end. And then we expanded it. We built our full platform that you're seeing here. Um, but we didn't have the ability to run things from automatically from, from our infrastructure. You always needed uh, another system to kind of kick off a trigger or what's called a function to, to run. And so you needed Zapier or Integramat or an Airtable automation to kick off the, the process. We now have the ability to schedule these all from within the app. So they'll run within our infrastructure in the back end. So there's no more third-party requirement. Um, it makes it much easier to get these up and running. So any function that you configure, we have a library of, of um, lots of different functions and, and ways that you can manipulate your data in Airtable, all sorts of use cases that you can do. And once you configure it to perform the way that you want, you'll come to the installation and there's now a scheduler that allows you to, to run this in the back end. And it's very customizable. Um, the most easiest use case is instant, which means it will check every minute for new um, records that need to be processed based on how it's configured. Or you can schedule it to run every 10 minutes, 10 hours, 10 days, weeks, months, however you want it. Um, and if you're familiar with how cron jobs work, you can even write your own custom cron job to, to schedule that um, as needed. And it can run at a specific day and time or day of the week. So fully customizable of how often it will run um, to process the, the data that you want to, to process. And then it can actually, there's actually more advanced functionality where you can trigger multiple functions to run once this function has run. So you can kind of create uh, steps of functions to do one after the other. And you can even um, perform a callback to a webhook URL and specify that. And so you can have this push back to Airtable inside of an Airtable automation using the Airtable webhooks. So very powerful, allows you to um, set these up very quickly and get it running without any additional configuration. So super excited to um, see our customers using this and, and see how it, how it performs. So check that out with Ontario Actions and our functions library. And next week I may be announcing some new functions that we're adding that, that we'll be adding that that will be um, very powerful, especially if you're using Google products. So just a teaser for for what's coming in that one. Next, we're going to do a field focus. Camille, if you want to share your screen, I'm going to highlight. Camille's going to share with us some insights into how to use a specific field. <clears throat> Uh, so we touched on, I think we said last modified date, um, 
earlier, but uh, last modified date and last modified by are two field types that were added at the same time. I want to say 2019 or so. Um, and when they were added, they added so much uh, functionality to Airtable. Um, and I just wanted to highlight this. This is probably not the best base to showcase this in because I'm the only collaborator. So all of these are going to say modified by Camille or automations. Um, but just to go over, um, if you select the last modified by field type, you have essentially two options. Um, you can be told who was the last person to edit any of the fields uh, within a record or any specific field. So um, if Jim edits single select, but I only want to look at the link field, then it's not going to update to Jim. That's very useful if you have, um, imagine a single select field where some were steps in a process like review, under review, um, approved, awaiting, publishing, published. Um, when someone moves it to published, you can have the last modified by field type be called something like published by. And as soon as um, single select becomes publish, it will tell you it was published by Camille or Jim or whoever. Um, that can be used in conjunction um, with a formula field uh, if I can build one really quickly. Uh, formulas, there is a uh, equivalent to the last modified by and last modified time uh, field types within formulas as a function. So uh, if I start searching, I could do, oh, is it not there? Hmm. I feel like it was there and it's not. <sighs> I think what you might I think what you might have to do is have a last modified by field on its own um, and then use uh, a separate formula field with it. Last modified time is a is a function. Uh, I was under the impression that last modified by was a formula function, but I guess it's not. That. So we're learning stuff. That's good. I could have sworn, could have sworn. Uh, but let's say I want to do a pretty simple conditional if single select equals uh, one, then outputs the value of the last modified by field that I already have set up. And then you could see, you know, it was changed to the status one by Camille. Pretty useful if you wanted. Uh, to have this uh, show the name of somebody who last modified a specific field, but only under certain conditions, uh, if you can't set that up directly within the last modified by field configuration types. Another thing that was useful, which we kind of touched upon um, when we were going over the built on air Slack community, there was a question about, um, is it possible to send an update, uh, an email or something, to the person who last modified a record? Uh, and the answer is yes. So uh, if I do uh, simple automation when a record is updated and pick table two, um, I'm just gonna say watch all the fields uh, and run my test, make sure I have some data to play with and hit done. 
um, I can do a send email action. And in my to field, uh, I can click the plus button and then find my last modified by field, click continue. And within uh, the information that's pulled is the email. And then I could add the name to the body of the message saying, hey, Camille, you know, thanks for editing, yada, yada, yada. But the email is what allows us to send to that specific person. Um, and a fun note, uh, when you have a free plan or a base that's on a free plan, you are limited to only sending emails uh, through the send an email action to people who are collaborators on your base. And well, as luck would have it, you have to be a collaborator on the base to have your name appear as a last modified by um, option anyway. So this is, you know, available to any user of Airtable. It's not, you must have a pro to take a, a advantage of that particular feature. Cool. Yeah, that's useful that it, it provides the uh, email option there instead of just the name. Yes, something to keep in mind. Um, I think all of them have since been edited. So I can't, um, I don't know if I have an example in this table. Automations is uh, its own collaborator in your base. It's like a, it's a hidden other. So sometimes the last modified by will show the name you know, automations. So just keep that in mind that sometimes, you know, you, you probably want to use, um, like we were saying before, a, an, a separate formula field with a conditional saying, if the last modified by person isn't an automation, because there would be no email to send to you, you want to, you know, make sure you're sending it to an actual collaborator, or just watch fields that are not, you know, an automation isn't going to change. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's kind of a ghost user that mm -hmm. shows up there. <laughs> it's it's useful for record keeping. Just you know, who changed this? Uh, what when did this happen? Yada yada yada. It's it's useful to know that it was done by an automation or by, um, you know, a form that's submitted. Uh, when a form is submitted, it's always anonymous. It, it whether or not you're logged into Airtable, it you know it doesn't carry that information over. So it wouldn't tell you that X collaborator made these changes or created this um, created this field. Uh, but if you were to edit a record using um, a script or any custom app, um, Airtable knows that you are the one pressing the buttons. And so it still says modified by Camille if I'm the one controlling it through the interface of an app. Um, automations and forms and you know external integrations are the, the instances where uh, the last modified by field type will not say a name. It'll say automations or some other thing. Right, yeah. Yeah, the API is always tied to a user, so it always comes through with whatever user that API is tied to, um, mm -hmm. which is good and bad. There's yep. there's for improvement there. There's pros and cons. It it allows you to make sure that if I, you know, if the creator of a base said, you know, Camille should not be able to edit you know, the single select field at all, it makes sure that if I use an app, I don't suddenly have access to change that field. Yeah. But if you if the purpose of using uh, the app that you have is to have a 
much more streamlined and enforced sort of data entry process or anything like that, if you want to add in your own custom validation, anything like that, you know, you can't circumvent any sort of uh, blockages you, you put on the base itself unless you do everything outside of Airtable entirely and um, send things via the equivalent of forms. Yeah. Very cool. Useful. Um, I think it's always good to, to deep dive into these field types and really get to know how they work and the nuances of them. So last modified by, and we learned there isn't yet a formula to, to retrieve it. So yeah. And it's, and created by isn't a field yet. Isn't a function either. I was like, well, maybe I was thinking of created by no. No. Created yeah. by and created time are yeah. their own field types, but it's only the date ones that have formula functions. So yeah. I should remember that. Very good. Thank you, Camille. Mm -hmm. All right, let's move on. We're going to next do an automate create. So this is, I believe, uh, the fourth install of a series that we started from day one with this live show of how you would implement a um, two-way sync between bases using the Airtable automations and a little bit of a script um, settings. So we're gonna finish that series off. If you want to um, get the full insight, go back to our previous episodes, but I'll give a quick summary of, of what we did to this point. So the very first um, step was we have our base that we needed to send data over to another base. And we did that via an, an automation where we, um, on the second base, which is this one right here, we set up an automation to receive data off of a, off of a webhook. So it gave us a URL that we could copy. And then we go to our original source and we add whatever criteria we need for when um, we want to update this data to send over to the, the other destination. And then we perform a run script action and we do a simple API call to push the data from here into that automation um, webhook. That then runs a script to determine if we need to perform an update or a create, and then we'll update the data. Um, I added one extra step to this. So for this to work, for today's task, we need to account for, we want to send the data back whenever it's modified in the destination so that we get a two-way sync. So now we have a one-way sync. In order to get a two-way sync, we need to be really careful that we're not sending data back when it's just been updated from the source. Otherwise, we're going to get this cyclical loop where the data is continually checking, saying, oh, it's been updated, send it back to the other base, that base then gets updated, and then, and then you get this cycle. So in order to avoid that, that cycle of updates, um, I added a last sync date type um, to, our, to our destination. And this gets updated every time it comes from the source. And so now we have a timestamp of when it came from the source. And then I created a last modified field um, that's checking if anything is updated. Um, and right now we're just kind of using just one field that we're updating the name field. 
So I specifically said anytime this name field and the key point here is we need to just make sure that we're not tracking when the last sync table or field gets updated because we don't we don't want uh, to, to be notified of that. So now we're just tracking whenever the name is. And then we added a, a formula that is just simply looking to make sure that the last modified came after the sync that came over from, from the uh, source table. And I gave a buffer of about 30 seconds just to be safe. So it needs to be updated uh, manually. So anytime that this name is updated manually, it will then update the, the last modified field and it'll be after the last time the sync came over from, from your source. And then this is how we know that we now need to send data from this table back to the first table because if this says yes, that means that, that our field was updated and it came after the update that came from the destination. So it means it was manually modified by the user in some way um, in this space. And so when this is yes, we, then, we now have a second automation that will send the data back to our source whenever, um, whenever that field contains yes based off of that formula. And then it, it will work the same way where you, you would then need a automation on the source that is a webhook to receive the data back from your other destination. And so that will give you the webhook that you then use and you can put it into a script action to post the data from this table back to the first table. And then you would need to set up something similar here so that um, the, the first one that sends the data from here over is also making sure that it's not sending it when the data was updated by the uh, destination. So a lot going on, a lot of logic um, to get this working. It's not an easy thing to pull off. Um, it doesn't take into account when records get deleted either, but it does show that it is possible to implement a true two-way sync where you can actually edit data from either base and get it to um, sync over to, to the other base. So, um, yeah, anything, any questions, any, anything there, Camille, on that? Does the, you, you can in scripting delete a record if need be, right? Yeah, you can I, delete it. The hard part is getting notified when a trigger got deleted. Yes. Um, you would have, this is, this is a, a, what I'm about to suggest is a very poor use of your automation runs. Do not do it. What you could do <laughs> is uh, have a script, have an automation script run at a scheduled time where it looks for in the other base using the API, does that record exist? If it doesn't, then delete the record in this base, but you would eat up so much yeah. of your automation runs to do that regular check. It's not worth it. Uh, it's possible. I mean, you could, if you wanted with just one step, you know, you could send over all the IDs from one base to the other and then do mm -hmm. like a comparison. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, but definitely not easy. Hopefully, at some point, there will be a trigger here, where, like when record deleted. That would that would help in that instance. Yeah. There's yeah, a so. there's when record enters a view. If there was when record record exits a view, that would be another. Yeah, yeah uh, we could have a view of everything. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that would work though, because the record. It's technically leave the view when it's deleted. <laughs> that is a good question. I don't really know how Airtable would answer that question, yeah. but uh, when record is deleted, I think would be uh, nice. It, it would, you know, when something is deleted in Airtable, it's stored in the trash, at least temporarily, depending on what plan level you're on. So it's not like they forget what the record ID is. There is some buffer period. So you know, depending on your plan level, you Airtable still knows all the record IDs that were in the base recently. And so uh, it's not gone in a flash quite yet. So there's probably something that they could do. I don't know if they have any plans on making that a trigger. Yeah, and the big disclaimer here is um, if you don't need two-way sync, this approach is a lot of work. Use the, the the table syncing feature because the table syncing feature has the functionality of deleting from both tables or the option to leave it, which sometimes is useful. So that's a really powerful um, way to, you know, delete data from, from one system to the other. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, if you just need one way, the problem though with the sync is that it's not editable on the destination, it's read only. Yep. Um, so this helps overcome that limitation. But maybe one day Airtable will will implement um, a, a full two-way sync. Who knows, I might be coming. <laughs> yeah, I, there's, I don't even know anymore. I feel like the, I think the, the, most all in Airtable solution you could do with one way sync using the sync tables is to have your source base or your source table have, you know, all of your records and then the most recent versions of each record is a view and that syncs to another table. And if you have to edit any of those records, there's like a button for a pre-filled form back to the original one with all those values, it would create a new record, but it would be the more recent one. And that gets synced over because it's the one in the view and the other one isn't, but it's, there's some iffiness in how you would have to link your records together, I think, to determine which one is the more recent version of the thing. Yeah. It's not easy is what, yeah. what I'm trying to get across. Yeah. Yeah, we we've explored at Ontario of of having a function that, that that performs a two-way sync. We actually have we actually have it implemented about 80% of the way. Um, if there was enough demand, we we'd potentially finish that up. So if you're listening and you really need two-way sync, uh, shoot me an email and we'll see if we can get that added to our library. Okay, moving on. I'm going to do a quick plug for our built on air training site. So if you and your company are looking to adopt Airtable or looking for more advanced learning, um, check out training.builtonair.com. 
And we have courses from some experts in the industry and Airtable that will walk you through getting an introduction to Airtable with Ben Green, as well as how to uh, do account management, all that goes into your account management also with Ben. And then integrations with Airtable, how to use third-party tools to integrate into Airtable with Jen Rudd. Great courses, check them out, training.builtonair.com. And we'll be adding more courses over time from other experts as well. So please check that out and use it within your business to really enhance your Airtable learning. Finally, our last segment of the day, we're going to do an app a day. This is where we go into the Airtable marketplace and look at an app and play around with it and see what we can learn from it. And so for this one, if you go into the app store, check this out. Both Camille and I have some apps in here. So we really want you to check those out, play with them, use them. Um, there's some cool stuff in here. There's a lot of apps from Airtable. There's a lot of apps built by third-party developers. So please check those out. Um, the one I, I wanted to showcase today is actually from Airtable. And me personally, it's probably the one that I use the most from Airtable. And it's called, looking for it, where is it? It should go to apps by Airtable. Um, where are you at? Web Clipper. Okay, so this Web Clipper one, click on it, you add it into your base, and then it'll come up here. And uh, I don't believe it's in alpha anymore. My, I, I've been using this since it was in alpha. And I actually haven't set this one up. I haven't touched this one in a long time, even though I use it. Um, and I'm realizing some new things that they've added since I set it up. So essentially, you, you give it a name, you specify which table um, you're, you're using it with, and then you configure um, fields, which fields that you want to expose within a Chrome extension to allow you to extract data out of a web page that you're visiting and automatically create a new record that you can update in Airtable. And so um, you specify all of the, the fields that you want that, that are relevant for yours and then um, then you can click on this and then it'll give you, and you can have multiple um, options. You can create as many of these as you want, and then they'll just show up in a list here. And then whenever you're visiting a site, so I use this for if I'm working with a company and they want a sales proposal, this is how I gather information about the company and enter it into Airtable, into my CRM for managing uh, the sales process. So let's imagine um, I'm going to this awesome website, openside.com. And I want to gather information about them. So I would simply click on the um, extension and then I'd click on the new proposal. <clears throat> and it looks like I need to refresh this. Um, looks like maybe it needs to open in here. I wonder if it's gathering information. Because um, I had to do this before, but it should come up. Hmm. Is there, is it like not fully configured, the clip action? It says ready to clip. Hmm. I used it just a second ago. Let's try it again. 
Um, mm. So well, maybe it is still an alpha. It's got some quirks to figure out. It's so weird. I, I haven't used Web Clipper in a while, but when um, I did use it, it was pretty, I didn't even know it was an alpha. I thought it was just out because it, it you know worked as uh, I would expect it to. Um, yeah, I don't think it's an alpha anymore. I think that when I installed it, it was mm. that name on there. But that's it also need to be an alpha. It's <laughs> also not the regular when an app fails in Airtable. That's not usually what it shows. It usually has like Airtable has a built-in error message for when an app fails to load. Um. But open side can't be reached either. Maybe it's just your internet. Yeah, I think this is this is a user error. I think I'm having DNS issues on on my end. Cool. Because <laughs> I I was getting this before we started. Yeah, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes their table goes down, and I'm like, oh well, there it goes. But it, <laughs> if it's yeah, time to take a break. All right, come on. But anyways, it would allow you to um, be on any website and open up this extension and it would have a form on there. And the great thing about it is you can actually, um, if you're, if it's a little bit technical, but um, if you are familiar with how websites are built and what goes on underneath them, let's see if it works this time. Um, there, there's, you can identify the CSS associated with specific, like if you're always going to the same website, you can, um, configure it to, to extract CSS from the website that determines the, the value that you want to insert into your form element. Um, but I'm trying to figure out where that would be configured. <clears throat> here we go yeah so it looks like it's only for uh text fields um so you can you can extract the page title the page url which is really um, useful automatically it'll insert you know the url of the website that you're currently on um, you can even do selected text which i think is new since i set this up or text content by css selector or an HTML app attribute by CSS selector. So you can configure this um, to, to get the information that you need and they've got documentation. So really good, it's kind of in that, it's not, it's not true web scraping, but if you're on a single page and you're just trying to extract information from one web page, this is, this is a really um, useful tool to, to help getting data into Airtable from outside. Yeah, it's 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 useful. Uh, the CSS and HTML attribute selectors are pretty useful because uh, websites are, for the most part, pretty formulaic. Uh, there's a certain, you know, series of HTML element types, if you will, that uh, your common web page is built out of, and because a lot of the world is built out of WordPress and similar website builders. They're pretty particular about how a page is ends up being built. So you might get lucky. You might have built WebClicker 
uh, web clipper with one website in mind, but it might also work pretty well. Uh, the selectors that you've chosen, it might just so happen to select pretty well from some of the other websites of a similar type. Just, yeah. you know, they use a similar theme or, you know, they're both built out of WordPress or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And um, the one that I was hoping to show was that for, for logos to get images into as an attachment into Airtable, they actually have a little tool that allows you to click on an image and it'll automatically extract the, the image URL and save that into an attachment field. So cool, cool tools. Um, it looks like they, they, they've definitely improved this since last time I've, I've set it up. So looks like more you can do and you can import and export. So there actually are people on the Airtable community that share um, their configuration for, for common websites. So you can maybe find some that you can use and import them. Um, and it will have like the CSS information that you need and everything to good to go there. So check out one of the more useful uh, apps in the marketplace. There's lots of other apps. Um, play with them, explore them. They really can enhance your your Airtable experience. So if you're not if you're not using apps, highly recommend you you start using some of the the apps in the marketplace. And that concludes today's episode. Any final thoughts, Camille? Mm, no. <laughs> Think a relatively quiet, quiet week on the on the Airtable front, which is always a good thing. Um, well, not always. You want to hear noise, but mm -hmm. good noise, not not bad noise. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 been pretty stable, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So very good. Well, we will catch you all next week and we'll have another fun episode for you then. So until then, thank you and, and good luck with your Airtable implementations. And we'd love to see what you've built on air. Thank you for joining today's episode. We hope you enjoyed it. Be sure to check out our sponsor, ontair.com, and we will see you next time on the Built on Air podcast. <laughs>